Welcome to the Mortgage Vault podcast hosted by Voltage. Voltage is a mortgage automation company that helps mortgage lenders and servicers reduce the time and cost to close and board mortgages. Mortgage Vault podcast is for mortgage industry professionals who want to stay ahead of the curve. Every week you will hear from experts, thought leaders and legends on what's next in the mortgage industry. All of this with just one goal in mind that you stay on top of your game. So, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of Mortgage Vault. Hey everybody, it's Sanat, marketing head at Voltage and your host today. Voltage is a mortgage automation software that helps you produce and service more loans doing less work. Welcome to Mortgage Vault podcast. A very good morning to all our listeners. Welcome to this episode of the Mortgage Vault podcast. We are so excited to welcome Kevin Peranio, Chief Lending Officer at PRMG. Thank you so much for making time today, Kevin. Thank you, Sanat. I really appreciate you inviting me on your show. Thank you so much. It's awesome to have you. So, Kevin, very interestingly, you started a career with Dell, but eventually you moved to the mortgage industry and stayed for good. So, my question is, what motivated you to stay and make this shift? And how has been your journey so far? Well, I was living in Austin, Texas, where I went to college, University of Texas in Austin, and I uh, worked for Dell Computers. And it was interesting, they, they went through a business cycle that I feel the mortgage industry is about to go through. And I remember starting my job there in 1999 in uh, the spring, and the starting price of a computer was $2,000. And within 18 months, it was down to four ninety nine. And so it was kind of a, a, a price war. And so obviously with that much reduction in price, as a sales professional, I couldn't make as much money. And um, I just kind of got burnt out working. You know, I'm a workaholic. I love working, you know, 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. It's just kind of how I'm wired. And um, my friend who was a real estate agent, he flipped over to the mortgage lending side. He went into wholesale at a company called First Magnus. And he was there for about a month. He's like, you will love this. We're helping put people in houses. We're doing their finances. We're getting them loans. It's kind of a B2B gig because I'm going from, you know, small business owners, broker shop owners and trying to get them to, to use our, uh, our lending wholesale channel. And I was hooked and I have not been able to find a way out or leave since. And it's funny. I, we have an intern at our, at our office. I talked to yesterday as a young man, right. um, going to be a senior at the University of Miami. And I told him something that I like to tell everybody, especially if I'm talking to the parents. I'm like, my advice to your kid, just because you're in the industry doesn't mean that you should let your child in because you know as soon as you get in this industry, you can never leave. It's impossible to get out. Right. And I said, so my advice is have your child chase their dreams. And if they can't beat them, then you get them in the mortgage business because once <laughs> they get in, they're never getting out. Right. That's quite an amazing story, actually. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, before I reached out to you, I, I watched one of your videos on a podcast where you spoke about how you were motivated to bridge the gap between the haves and have-nots through simplifying home ownership for the average American. And, and that was quite an interesting insight, actually. So, uh, you know, what I want to know is, in your opinion, how can lenders in general ensure a better lending experience for the minority borrowers in the country? Well, obviously, we're an independent mortgage banker. There's four of us that own the company. Our, our two founders, Paul Rozo and Robert Holiday, uh, and then myself and Gary Malice. So, Maybe I'm a little biased, you know, towards the independence, but obviously there's a lot of great companies of all different backings and models. 
But I feel like uh, the, the originators are, you know, 1,300 and growing in our retail channel or are several thousand in our wholesale and correspondent channel. I feel that those originators that are deeply rooted in the communities, they're the ones that are teaching financial literacy and teaching people how to be homeowners. You don't right. learn to be a homeowner in school. You don't learn about an appreciating asset. Most people buy a car before they ever buy a house. And yes, a car is a means to an end. But if you think of it from an asset standpoint, it's a depreciating asset over hmm. time, whereas real estate is not. And if you look at everyone that's wealthy, at least in America, over 90% of millionaires have made their money through real estate. And so, you know, you got to have somewhere to live, right? You know, it's right. breathing, drinking water, eating, and then shelter. That's the uh, hierarchy of needs. And so Ooh. everyone's got to live somewhere. So, you know, teaching financial literacy, helping people understand that when you pay rent, you're literally making a landlord rich. You're, you're enabling someone else's wealth when you're already making the payment. So we just got to find a way to open more doors and create more homeowners. That's our mission. That's what we do here. And, uh, and I think just doing that, that work right there on the ground, that is the way to build our communities together. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I really like the motto of PRMG, which, which goes like built by originators for originators. So, you know, obviously a large part of the entire discourse revolves around LOs. So my question is, you know, the past year has been tough on everyone. So how have you been able to motivate your team of LOs during the pandemic year to stay strong and yet deliver results that, you know, that has made PRMG ranked within the top 25 lenders in the country? Well, you're right. Last year and ongoing, obviously, in, um, you know, India, you know, our, our thoughts and, and prayers go out to everyone dealing with resurgence and other waves. And, you know, just this bat virus sucker punched the world and, you know, everyone's going through it and facing different battles. But, you know, in America... It was very interesting. When we go into recessions, typically the Fed or somebody will reduce interest rates and we start a new cycle. So, you know, people may be clamping down and in, in, in saving in a recession and not going out and buying a house as much. But part of saving is doing a refinance, refinancing your largest assets, saving a hundred or a couple hundred bucks a month. And, uh, and so with historically low interest rates um, in the last 15 months, Regardless of where our originators worked, it was um, right. a little bit easier to do production. You know, you simply just had to go call everybody you've ever been in touch with that's had a loan and say, you know, let me save you some money. And uh, it's going to get tougher here in the next six to 12 to 24 months as interest rates rise. That is the prediction generally. You know, you have to shift your focus to more purchase money business less refinance business. And, uh, you know, we just, at PRMG, we create a lot of tools, a lot of training, a lot of community building, a lot of communication, and um, a lot of back office support and leadership to help our originators shift into a purchase money market, which again, serves our communities and helps build uh, and create wealth. Right. I think you, you spoke about the rising interest rates, and I would specifically like your view on that. Because in the given market conditions, right, apart from rising interest rates, we are obviously facing a shortage of housing supply and a heightened risk of price war. So according to you, what are some of the possible pathways for lenders to avoid margin compression and possibly gain market share? Well, there is no avoiding margin compression. So uh, unfortunately, that's a reality, you know, and, yeah, and that yeah. is a function of the secondary market. It's already begun. For example, you know, the two and a half coupon for the universal mortgage-backed security is pretty much the prevailing 
security for loans out there. And the average Freddie Mac rate, even you know this week, is still 3%, 3.02%. So, but there's 200 less basis points in that exact same 2.5 coupon in the secondary market. So margin compression has started and it will get worse. And what will be the big driver of that is a couple things. Obviously, everyone, lenders, we all built up to do $4 trillion in loans last year. So everyone built up their teams through December. And now this year, the forecast is, let's just say $3 trillion, right? That's a 25% reduction in overall volume. It could be, you know, give or take, right? And as rates go up, that number could come down even more. So you've got all these lenders with tons of capacity. Everyone's trying to hang on as long as they can to make sure that they're not the first ones you know, to make any pricing moves or whatever um, they have to do. But the big elephant in the room really is the Fed. The Fed is the largest single buyer of mortgage-backed securities right now. And they have said that they're going to talk about talking about tapering. Now, when they taper their fiscal support, their fiscal stimulus, that means potentially buying less mortgage-backed securities. You know, they're buying anywhere from 40 to $80 billion a month in mortgage-backed securities. They're keeping the liquidity going. Right. If that buyer starts to pull back, well, now you have less buyers. Mm. Therefore, more yield will be demanded from the fewer buyers that are left. That will compress margins even more. Rates will potentially go higher. But even if they stay the same, lenders will definitely be making less per loan, thus the margin compression. So there's some really big macro factors and some shoes that are left yet to drop, and they will. And this isn't our first rodeo. I've only been in the business 20 years. PRMG has been around 20 years. Um, I've been uh, you know, with two other companies prior um, almost 11 years now with PRMG. And um, I can tell you that you know we're experienced. Our capital markets team led by Gary Malice, they're absolutely experienced. We've been through this kind of thing before. We're ready. But not every lender is ready. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out over the next 6, 12 to 24 months. Right. And, you know, maybe just take this question one step forward. What do you think about market share? Is, is there any way that, you know, that lenders can perhaps work around getting more market share in the present conditions? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I think what will happen is as the pie shrinks, if you can just hold on to your piece of the pie, your percentage of the pie, your percentage, that pie piece will grow. And uh, so holding on, holding steady um, right. is a strategy that many lenders have. But there are some lenders that are fully uh, expecting growth. We did uh, about 15 billion last year in 2020, wow. but we started 21 on the run. We had, as did the entire industry, um, a fantastic Q1 and Q1, this year was tremendously larger than Q1 of 2020. We just finished up the first half of the year. We're now starting July here, and we are at 8.5 billion funded for the year. So our run rate is already higher than it was a year ago. So if we can hold on to our slice of the pie, we'll end up with a larger year this year than last year. Now, 2022, different story. So now with margin compression, less volume in the industry, uh, less refinances, uh, higher interest rates. What do you do as a lender to be more purchase money friendly? And it's not just the product mix, opening up your product suite. Yes, we sell to Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny. We do the standard GSE products. Do we offer non-QM products in-house? Do we offer good jumbo products? How about the tougher end of the credit spectrum? Right. We do manual underwrites. We allow down payment assistance. 
in all three of our channels, retail, wholesale, and correspondent. We are doing tough loans to help build communities, especially communities of color. So what are we doing to make sure that we are better, faster, and cheaper? There's a lot of stuff. Some of it's RPA. Some of it's robotic process automation. Some of it's making sure that our fulfillment in our back end is quick and you know efficient and inexpensive. Therefore, we can keep competitive pricing even if our margins per loan are coming down. Thus, we're able to do more volume at less margin per loan, but we're doing it in a more efficient manner because we're working on RPA and AI and our operations and our fulfillment. Not a lot of lenders, I think, are talking about this stuff or have the, the development teams in-house, the engineering teams in-house, you know, to go out and make sure that they are not just surviving, but thriving in a shrinking market. And that's how you gain market share. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, one thing that caught my attention was when you said being faster, cheaper and better in terms of service quality can make a lot of difference. And at least that can be an edge in a market like this. So in your opinion, when it comes to technology, where do you think technology can have the maximum impact in a lending process? You know, from your experience at PRMG. Well, you know, let me put my dad's electrical engineering hat on. My father had a master's in double E. And uh, went to LSU and SMU. And so um, I'm not as smart as he was, but every now and then I, I channel my, my inner Leo Perenio. And let me just say that you have to break down your process. Mm-hmm. You have to break down your process and fix things and improve it and make it better. Um, so let's look at, you know, just from a cost standpoint, you know, the average cost per loan, according to the Mortgage Bank Association, let's just call it 8500 bucks a loan. A lot of that comes from loan officer compensation. A lot of that comes from the operation expenditure to produce a loan. So let's focus on the ops. That's what we like to do. We don't want to dig into the pockets of our originators. They sell their service. We're happy with them making whatever money they want to make. So then at PRMG, we look inward. We look at our own process. How can I make underwriting less expensive? How can I break that up and make it faster? How can I make it better? And um, I'm glad that you brought up that phrase. You know, the old adage in the industry, or in any industry in business used to be, Cheaper, better, faster, pick two, because you can't do all three. Right. But Amazon came in and disrupted, and they said, no, you can do all three. You can be all three. But I purposely coined that phrase in a way where I say better first, because better has to be your first and key proposition. You have to have a better way of doing things. Faster. Speed is great. But if it's not better, what's the use of speed? And cheaper, I purposely put third. Because price can't be your selling proposition that's number one. Because then you're just right. fighting everybody else that's just putting out a low price. And at the end of the day, if you don't make your process faster and better internally, just by putting out the good price doesn't mean that you're profitable or will stay in business longer or that can actually retain capital. This business is about holding cash. So when the markets have a rough spot, like a year ago when there was disruption, if you don't have capital, you can't control your own destiny. So it's better, faster, cheaper. Absolutely. I think the way you gave the example of Amazon is, I would say, the right way to summarize this entire concept of better, faster, cheaper. You said the same order. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> so now, as we head towards the end of this episode, I would like to ask you last few questions. In the current uh, market conditions context, what are some of the key focus areas for you this year to ensure a healthy growth in loan volumes? You know, we've uh, internally in 
all of our sales channels, we've been trying to create better tools for all of our originators to thrive. So in our wholesale channel, for example, we built out a full Salesforce experience for our account executives to manage the pipeline and communicate with our brokers and in our correspondent channel with our correspondents. We've created correspondent. Obviously, you have to be super efficient. That is more of a thin margin price game. So we've done a lot of offshoring there um, and breaking down that process. We even buy um, closed loan packages. We've had a delegated process. So we help brokers evolve into non-delegated correspondent clients and if they want. And then if they want to go into delegated and have their own underwriter on staff, we have a channel for them to buy their closed loan packages. And because we're private, because we're not backed by a hedge fund or an equity firm or a REIT or we're not public, we answer to nobody but ourselves. Right. And we've been in their shoes. You know, we're just normal people that have done that job. So we feel like we can communicate on a very um, unique level. So um, that's what we do in those channels. In our retail channel, focusing on our originators there, we built out world-class um, CRM tools, um, lead management, um, lead triggers, marketing automation, um, wow. communication stack, all kinds of stuff. And that's just on the sales front. Then on the backside, it's a lot of stuff I talked about before, you know, developing and engineering out robotic process automation to make things easier. You know, we went with the FinLocker, which is a great way to communicate with our borrowers in a modern way and empower our borrowers with their data. We use Blend as a point of sale. We use Regora as an awesome appraisal ordering management system. We use Matic Insurance to be able to order insurance. There's so many vendors that we've chosen. And I'm freely giving you away on this podcast what we do because I want others to succeed. I want other right. independent mortgage bankers to succeed. We use capacity. We have a chat bot with capacity that we've been using for a year. And we get answers in second, literally a millisecond. We've gotten thousands and thousands of responses automating all of our help desk. It's fantastic using something like capacity to create what we call Mobi, our uh, My Online Business Intelligence. So these are things that we're doing to try and make sure that we have a modern lender, a modern way to arm our people to be successful in a changing landscape. You know, what I love about PRMG is that it's at the forefront of adopting all kinds of technology and tools to create an ecosystem wherein LOs can perform and work to the maximum potential. I think, I think that's, that's the best part of PRMG from, from what I could understand. We're not perfect, but we're trying every day and I appreciate the kind words. Great. So my final question to you is, you know, uh, with the mortgage industry getting increasingly competitive, what advice do you have for the younger professionals who are just getting started or want to level up their career prospects? Well, the, the one thing I love about this industry is no matter how diverse your background, no matter where you come from, you can make it in this industry. I am a, a board member of a company called Axis Lending, A-X-I-S, and we are very intentional about hiring people and training them. We call them our learners from very diverse backgrounds. You know, uh, one of my favorite things about getting people in the business is you don't have to go to college. Right. You don't have to be well-heeled. You don't have to grow up with money. You know, you, you talk about the beginning, you know, my comments in the past about haves and have-nots. You know, my parents grew up poor. You know, they grew up in Louisiana and um, they worked their asses off to make sure that I had a better place. And, um, and I'm forever, you know, forever thankful for that. But the best thing about this industry is there's no substitute for hard work. And if, you know, specifically, you know, let's talk about, you know, sales for a second. If you're a brand new originator in this industry, regardless of what channel you decide to go into, 
you were an expert within 30 days. Within 30 days of just learning, I mean, just if you know what LTV means and FICO means, you have the confidence to know that when you get on the phone with a consumer, you know more than that consumer. You have the right to teach them financial literacy about creating and generating wealth through home ownership. And just imagine what you would learn in 90 days or six months or 12 months if you stick with it and you do the work and you build your pipeline and your referral database. It takes time, but just have that confidence that if it's something that you like and you know that and you feel it in your heart within 30 days, that you have the confidence to continue to communicate because you're already an expert and you're on the path to helping build your communities. Wow, wow. Thank you so much for those amazing insights. I mean, there's so much for me to personally imbibe in my own career. Thank you so much for all those insights that I said, Kevin. And I really love this conversation. And I hope that you also had a good time talking to me. I appreciate your very thought-provoking questions tonight. It's very, it's very good to get this dialogue out there. I hope we can you know, reach you know, tens of thousands of people with this kind of message together, this discussion we had. Absolutely. People need to hear about the great advantages of being a homeowner. Absolutely. And I also hope so too. And we want to do our best to do exactly just that. So on that note, we would like to call it a wrap. Until next time, stay tuned. Thank you so much, Kevin. Have a great week.